Hey everyone, welcome back to another Soundcore Stories. It's me, Sean, and we've got a great episode lined up for you this week. We sat down with two-time Grammy-winning artist Colby Calais and spoke to her about her struggles with stage fright, her Grammy wins and what it's like working with artists like Taylor Swift and Jason Mraz, and her journey and inspiration through music. So keep listening, hope you enjoy it. And if you want to have a recap on her performance, head over to community.soundcore.com and head to the music section and you'll find it there. It's fantastic and enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome back to Soundcore Sessions. It's another Grammy winning artist edition. It's me, Sean from Soundcore. I'm joined by Lawrence and Colby Calais. Hi. <laughs> How are you doing, Lawrence, as well? I'm, I'm very good, man. I'm super happy to have Colby uh, on the stream with us. This is, uh, this is awesome. This is awesome. Like I, I've been excited for this one, especially when we was doing the Grammy winning artist countdown. I think, Colby, you, you were in at number two. That was a big one we were waiting to, to announce. Um, so yeah, could you give the Soundcore audience a quick introduction to yourself? Yeah, so I'm Colby Calais. I'm a singer-songwriter from Southern California, I'm currently living in Nashville. And I've been doing music, releasing songs uh, since I was like 21 years old and since like 2007. And I got my, I basically got found because my friend put my songs on MySpace, if anyone remembers what MySpace even is. Um, so basically I was 21 years old and, and that whole thing happened and uh, my life changed at that moment. Okay. One thing I want to talk about, because I remember MySpace. <laughs> do, do you remember what, who was in your top eight? Oh, I mean, I it switched a, a, <laughs> a bit, but it was definitely like my best friends. And it was like Justin Young, who uh, he was my fiance, but he was like my one of my favorite like Hawaiian artists and Jason Reeves. And um, uh, my goodness, like, yeah, basically our best friends and our close musician friends at the time that like we were writing with in L.A. or like going to like songwriter jams at each other's house, like Shane Alexander. He's he's one of them as well. The, the, the top, the top, the top eight is is so controversial. Hey, like I swear that kind of like <laughs> tour maiden maiden broke relationships. That one. So if you wrote someone out of it, it'd be a big deal. <laughs> I, I think I think I called a few people out before. Like, hey, what's I'm not including you. <laughs> Lost their spot. What's going on? I, I feel like um, I feel like moving back onto music profile songs made or break like was make or break as well. Like if you had, whoever was your profile song was a statement. It was a statement. And honestly, that's like how I got found people. My friend put my songs on MySpace, and people were adding my song bubbly. I had three songs up there that were on my album Coco, but that was the song people were using as their profile page. So it just started spreading around the world. And I mean, like, honestly, I'm so grateful for that outlet and that platform and that, I mean, it's cool. Like you have your wallpaper background, you have your top eight, you have the music choice you want to like represent for that moment. And, um, that is what gave me a career. So it's incredible. So moving, I want to go a bit before that. Um, you, you, you came from a musical family, um, like your dad, if I'm correct, he produced Fleetwood Mac. So you, yeah, you, grew, yeah you grew up around music. Did that, did, so from an early age, did you want to be a musician? Were you always aiming towards being an artist? How did, how did that come about? Yeah. So I was always like, always around it, my dad in the studio and I always loved singing. And I, I really truly think they were separate things. I'm, I'm sure 
growing up around music was a, a big um, part of it, but my parents were never encouraging me to be a singer or an artist. Um, and so, I don't know, I was 11 years old and I wanted to start doing like school talent shows and, and my parents and my friends, they would hear me sing, like I'd wake up in the morning and like sing at the top of my lungs and I'd sing in an elevator or whatever. And people would always comment that I had a, a nice voice. And so um, I think because I loved it so much and my parents told me like, find something that you want to do for your career that you love doing every day. And so I remember always like writing it down in school, like what you want to be when you grow up. It was like singer and like a photographer in Africa or something random like that. Um, and then my parents knew I was singing so often that they were like, well, if you're serious, do you want to take vocal lessons? Do you want to learn how to play an instrument? And you can actually be a songwriter as well because they knew that whole side of it and how important songwriting is to being an artist. So I took their advice and I let them, you know, uh, they, they paid for my vocal lessons, piano lessons, guitar lessons. And, um, and then when I was 19, I wrote my first song. And so it was really this, uh, incredible opportunity that my parents, they were, they gave me the tools that I needed for something I wanted to do. And I was never forced into it. It just kind of like all fell into place. Wow. That's awesome. So who, was there any particular musicians that influenced you at that time as well? I know when I, like, I went through a similar stage when I was younger where I wanted wanted to do music, but I kind of wasn't pushed into doing it Mm because my parents weren't musical. And I kind of just decided I I quite like the piano. And I, I, my parents got me exactly the same as your story, got me piano lessons. And then I, as I grew up and I was hitting 15, 16, I, my musical influences became like Blink-182, Green Day. And I, I decided the piano wasn't a cool instrument. And I really regret <laughs> that now because I wish right? I still carried on because yeah. I'd love to be able to sit down at a restaurant or somewhere and just start tinkering on the keys. But was there, was there an artist that influenced you along that part of your journey? Yeah. So Lauren Hill was like my biggest influence to be a singer. I loved her voice and it was so soulful and it just sounded so effortless when she sang. Um, and then musically, like I grew up with obviously Fleetwood Mac and classic rock. And then my sister introduced me to Bob Marley. So I loved like the happy carefree feeling of reggae music. Um, same with, I think classic rock. It was like all those bright acoustic guitars. It felt very California. And then, um, John Mayer and Jason Mraz were like at the, at that time, like my all time favorite, um, artists, writers, singers. And, um, so I think a combination of all of those styles of music for sure. And so you mentioned that your friend uploaded your songs to MySpace, right? How, why, why didn't you want to, why didn't you want to do that? I didn't know about it. I didn't know. I wasn't on Facebook. I, I didn't know social media. MySpace was new. And he was like, Hey, cause I had just went in the studio and, and recorded these songs as demos. Like they were just like a one day go in there and have fun. The producer, Michael blue was one of my dad's friends and, and like partners. And so and he lived down the street and every time I write a song, he's like, come in, let's just record it real quick and, and have fun. And so my friend, I sent him to my friends and then my friend Dom, he put them on. He's like, I'm going to make you a music page and people can hear your stuff. I'm like, 
cool. I don't, I don't know what that <laughs> means. Um, and then from there, it just literally started spreading and there was no like method or plan to it. It really, like, I was so lucky how it all happened. At what point did you realize, um, because obviously if he just kind of spur of the moment, put it up there, we, we, I guess you weren't really following it that closely at first. At what point were you like, this is, this is big. This is, this is where I need to be. Yeah, I wasn't following it at first. And then I was like, oh, I'm getting some like people, like people were writing messages or comments and I thought it was really sweet. And then I started like basically just up there, like talking to other friends and musicians. And then after, I don't know, a few months, I had a, a massive following that like, I, I didn't even, I think my parents were like, do you see what's going on? And um, and then my dad's like, I, I have a feeling like it's time to get you a manager now. Like th- there's, this is going, it's like wildfire. It's on its own and we should be prepared for what can happen. So I got a manager who's still my manager today. And, um, and then all of a sudden all the labels started calling and I had to, I had to go, you know, interview at all the labels in LA and New York. And it was honestly, it was like a six month period of like, what just happened? Like I had no preparation for it whatsoever. And I had stage fright. So I was like, I didn't know if I even wanted that to happen. I, I just, it kind of fell in my lap. I, I think what's really amazing is, is, is it's quite often sometimes for people to get a takeaway from this story, because for example, you, that was kind of almost accidental in my space, right? And then Sean, you look at yourself, Sean launched himself into the UK top 40, but that was using kind of multiple social media platforms. And then now it's all kind of coming through TikTok and people putting like the, like a 15 second clip on there, right? So it's just, it's just constantly evolving, like trying yeah. to keep up with that and, and use that. Um, yeah, it's tough. It is interesting. And, you know, I, I feel like I should have been better at social media this whole time, but again, I never started my space. It was just something my friend did. So I've, I, I do not keep up with all the, all the new forms. I just, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I'm so even, not even now, even now you're not like that, that focused on it. Is that right? No, or? I'm not. And I, I know I, I probably should be. I know it's it's smart to stay like connected to fans and to keep your, you know, your face out there and your music out there. Um, it's just not something that ever feels natural to me. So I eventually got on Instagram and now I love Instagram. But otherwise I I like don't know how to use Facebook. I have never been on TikTok. I don't I don't really know how any oh, of it wow. works. So um yeah, like you hit the nail on the head with the social media, like it wouldn't feel natural if you join TikTok because you wouldn't have that connection with your fans because you you wouldn't want to be on there in the first place. So I feel like there's no right or wrong. And yeah. Like, it needs to be natural. Make, it needs to be natural, right? If, if anything is authentic, then it'll work. And I'm sure if I found something to do on, on TikTok that like matched my personality, it would, it would be great. Um, but I know my team a, a bit ago, you know, they were suggesting and I was like, I just feel like I would be, copying something that other people are doing so until i like figure out a way to make it like my own then i'm just i'm not going to do it because it's just it's not as beneficial you know so one before we move on from from the whole social media um debate it you've been from myspace like 2007 all the way up until now you you've you've been in the industry and you've seen and experienced all the changes like the introduction of streaming and how crazy yeah. that's changed is there any like standout moments where you were you were maybe happy with the change like oh amazing this this whole new streaming concept is incredible or oh, i wish people still bought cds i wish that was still a thing is there has there been a moment 
that stood out to you where it was good, you felt it was good or felt it was bad? Or as an artist, have you just gone with the flow and you're like, okay, this is, this is cool. <laughs> I think it's both. Absolutely. Like I still, it's embarrassing. I like wasn't even on Spotify until like a few months ago, basically. I, I just, I'm like so dated with <laughs> all the things I'm like stuck in my, like I'm, I'm on iTunes and I buy music. Like that's what I do. Um, but I think that something that I always thought when you buy music is like, you don't know how often people listen to it. You don't know the count of how many times they've listened to it since they bought it every single day. The, and I think that's what I love about streaming is that it's very easily accessible for people to listen to your music and then, and then, you know, become a fan of yours. So I think that's a plus. And then uh, to get a, you know, a, a count for how often people listen to your albums or your songs. Like, I think that's amazing. Like those are incredible mm -hmm. things. Um, obviously the, the business financial side of it isn't entirely figured out yet. And that I think that should improve. Um, but I, I think that there is obviously a space for this and it's, it's an important space. Um, but yes, I still buy music every day that I, I like having it. I don't know. I just, I just like feeling like I own it for some reason. So that's that's actually a really good shout out um, that I just want to give to our, our partner, by the way. So we're, we're partnered with um, a streaming platform called Loom. And so with them, actually, they pay out, I think, about four to five times more than what Spotify and iTunes pay out. And it's literally kind of dedicated to emerging musicians. Um, so just in, t in terms of putting the power back into artists' hands and putting the you know that monetary side of it back into artists' hands, they're great. So for anyone watching, definitely uh, please go check them out as well. Awesome, I will too. So Colby, you mentioned as well, um, with the whole MySpace, right, we've gone into MySpace, you've launched, you were thrown into that, you weren't expecting it. You, you, you mentioned, and I know you've spoke about this in other interviews and stuff, but you've had experience with stage fright. Could you talk a little bit about, about that and how you've overcome it? And I just want to give advice to people that might be in a similar position. Like they really want to be on stage or performing or songwriting, but they just can't, there's something yeah. stopping them. Yeah. So for me, it's, it's been my whole life. Like I've, I've been more shy and introverted and I feel like I'm awkward in conversation with people. Um, I'm never feel like an entertainer. Like I don't want to go up and perform for you. I just love singing and I love writing. And then you just happen to, you know, you have to go and perform and promote those songs. Um, and so honestly, like, I don't think I would have ever like gone knocking at labels doors on my own. Um, I, how it all worked out was I think like, I'm so grateful for how that happened, but, but then I actually had to put in the work and I had to, my first year, 2007 is when I went on tour with the Goo Goo Dolls and Lifehouse and I was playing, um, amphitheaters, uh, all over the country and we were traveling the world and I was doing TV performances and I had never been more terrified in my life. I felt sick to my stomach. I would literally cry before walking out. Like my first Today Show performance, we were, they were counting down like 60 seconds or something till like live. And I had tears streaming down my face and my, my team had to like pull me aside and dab it down and like calm me down. And so it was something that I, I truly had to work through. And I think the thing that got me through it is that I didn't want to let people down. There were so many people you know, counting on this, um, we, it takes so much work, you know, writing a song, producing a song, promoting it, putting it out there, every, everyone involved. And I knew that I loved it. And I knew it was something that I couldn't let 
just because I was scared. I couldn't let all of that fall apart because of that. So I got a stage coach and I got, um, you know, I had like a vocal coach therapist come out on the road with me and I really just had to work through it over the years. And I will say it's still there, but there's things I've, I've found like, you know, taking deep breaths or, um, giving yourself time before you go out on stage or my vocal coach, or I mean, my stage coach told me to like, look in the mirror and tell yourself like five great things that you, you really like, like about yourself. And, um, I think there's little techniques and otherwise I think the biggest factor for me, I wrote a song called try. And, um, when I was writing it, I was talking about with, you know, three wonderful gentlemen, Babyface was one of them. And I was telling them how I feel so uncomfortable in my skin. And especially in the music industry, like we always have to feel like we have to alter ourselves in hopes that someone will like us better. And they were reminding me that I don't have to try to be anyone other than myself and to embrace imperfections. And then I swear it was incredible. The second I started promoting that song and I was on the road and I was telling the story to, to my audience and I was like letting them know, you know what, I'm an introvert and I'm probably going to be super shy and awkward and sing with my eyes closed and all the things that you're not supposed to do as an, as a performer but that's just me. And the more I did that, like they cheered, like they were, they loved that I was actually showing myself rather than feeling like I had to hide it. And the more I actually was open about who I am, the more comfortable I was and the more I wanted to perform. So it was this crazy, like, um, turnaround for me that like the more you're vulnerable, the more comfortable you actually feel. And so I just try to my remind myself that you're never going to please everyone. And, um, just to try to enjoy what you're doing in that moment. And I mean, again, it doesn't always work, but it, I have, I do feel so much more comfortable when I perform now. And, um, it's just a process. That's, that's, um, that's amazing. Doesn't it, it, it also, it, Sean, don't you think it kind of links back to that bit about, um, be, being natural? Like we we're just talking about social media platforms and doing what, what actually comes naturally to you. So you talk about being vulnerable, but really you're just kind of being yourself in front of the audience. Right. And so they're kind of, it's true. you know, buying into that. Yeah, absolutely. I feel, I feel like the, I wouldn't say I've ever been, um, no, it is, it is stage fright. I, I've been nervous before performing. Like I've, I feel like everyone, most people are lying if they say they don't get nervous before they perform or do something, especially going on stage. And I remember I, I, I'm quite shy anyway in, in some aspects of, I used to be really shy when I was younger. Like I would never dream of going on stage and like jumping around or doing something. And then, <laughs> and then I, I kind of hit a stage where you become like, I don't know, just an annoying boy. Like I was kind of like, then I like got confident. <laughs> but I remember at one point when I don't know who said it to me, but they they kind of just said, when you're on stage, it's like your own world. Like no, the audience doesn't, the audience are there to watch you. Yeah. And I kind of turned it into I can get away with whatever I want to do when I'm the one that's up here. I'm the one with the microphone. I'm the one that like they're watching me. So I'll just be myself. Exactly, exactly what you just said, Lawrence. I'll just be myself. I'll be natural. Exactly how I know I can't hear if someone's laughing at me or kind of making some sort of judgment, and I'll just walk off stage afterwards. Then that that's that. And yeah, yeah. So it doesn't always go back to like just be yourself, act, act natural. It yeah. really does. It really truly mm -hmm. does, and it, it just feels good. And then you can enjoy it. They enjoy it. They feel when you're comfortable. They feel when you're uncomfortable. Um, and I, I remember like for many years, you know, I didn't know who I was as an artist and 
I think people, my team around me was trying to help me figure that out. And so, you know, I'd, I'd have stylists put me in high heels and short dresses and have me like, not like dance around on stage, but it, it wasn't, it wasn't right for me. It's right for other performers, entertainers, but not for me. And I think my audience noticed that they knew I was uncomfortable. They knew it wasn't natural for me. And that's why like, it just totally shifted once I, I've like sat into what like my personality really is as a performer and, and then now I enjoy it. So that's, I think my message to anyone out there is just, honestly, there's a lane for you. Don't try to go in anyone else's lane, like stay in your lane and embrace that. I love that. That's, that's great advice. Um, right. That's, we've gone through the, the deep, uh, kind of deep, heavy <laughs> part of the interview. Let's, um, let's, let's go to, let's go to, um, the Grammys. You've had five Grammy nominations and you've taken it home twice. Wow. Talk, talk to us about, uh, talk to us about the first time you found out you were nominated. That must've felt incredible. It was, uh, it was so incredible. It was, uh, you know, I was nominated for my song with Taylor Swift and for my song with Jason Mraz. Um, both artists who I, you know, adored and respect so much. Um, you know, especially like I grew up listening to Jason's music and and his songwriting and him as a vocalist. And to be able to like the first the first two years of my career do a song with Jason and be nominated for a Grammy for it, I just I really couldn't believe it. And I um you know, again, grateful for the opportunity. I, like you, I, uh, when I won the award, Mick Fleetwood was the one that presented it to me, which was another tie in with my family. It just felt so special. Um, and it just, I don't know, it felt nice to be acknowledged for something that a song that we wrote that people listened to and had, you know, performed or, you know, played at their wedding when they're walking down the aisle, stuff like that was, it's just really special to be acknowledged for that. That's, that's so cool. Um, so can you explain the songwriting process? Like, was there, there's, there's a few parts to this question. When, so when you worked on that song with Jason, was there a point you thought, this is, this is something, this is, uh, this is Grammy material? Or, <laughs> so was there I, that point? Did know. you know you was onto something special? I mean, I loved the song. I think I never knew, like, I didn't even know with Bubbly that that was going to be, I think I, we all thought one of my more up-tempo, more produced songs on Coco would have been a single rather than what Bubbly was. But again, for that time, it was something refreshing and something different. So um, you can love a song, but not think people are going to love it as much or that it's going to be commercial and, you know, um, uh, accepted around all platforms. And so, um, also for the writing process, it's always different, which makes it fun and also challenging. But so I didn't know Jason. Um, I was obviously just a fan of his and he contacted me through my management and said he had this song idea started. Um, same actually with Taylor for our song breathe together. Um, and they wanted me to help them write it. And so, uh, me and Jason were both on tour, different parts of the world. And we actually had to send emails back and forth. Um, and my guitar player on the road, Tim Fagan, he was working with me on it. So we would send these ideas and these lyric emails back and forth with Jason. And then I actually flew to London where we recorded the, the song together. Um, and then, you know, in person with, with Taylor, I flew to Nashville and we wrote Breathe together. So that was like, she had an idea started. We sat together and finished it that day. Um, so really the writing process is 
you can bring up an idea. You can start one fresh together. You can sing a melody to a, a beat, to a track. Like there is, there's always uh, a new way of coming up with a song, which um, just shows you like any way is possible and it keeps it fun. Cool. You've, you've, you've answered quite a few questions I had lined up. <laughs> I, I, I want, because, because it's such a, it's such a broad topic. Like, when it comes to songwriting, because I, I feel like there are some artists that do have the winning formula. Like they, mm -hmm. they go into the studio, they might have a lyric or a hook and they go, right, verse, bridge, chorus, and they know exactly, and they'll do maybe not the same every time, but you know it's mm -hmm. that formula. And I feel like with an artist like yourself, do, do you, we were just talking about your co-writes, but when it comes to like your songwriting, do you keep a journal? Do you, where do you draw your inspiration from for yourself as an artist? Yeah. So at all times, um, we draw inspiration from what is going on around us. So whether it's our own life experiences or a lot of times if I've written enough about myself of, you know, the new relationship I'm in or going through a breakup or family troubles or something like that, um, you need to somehow find new inspiration. So it's people around you going through something in life. And a lot of times you want to write from like a new perspective. Like I, I have a lot of stuff going on and I'm, I don't want to write the same kind of story that I've maybe said or someone else has said. So you try to think of it from the other person's perspective or from a completely different perspective to keep it um, different and unique in the writing process. And um, I think that really just writing about what you're going through, it keeps it relatable and it it helps you feel like you're not alone in what you're going through in life. And it helps the listener feel the same. Like we've all had that where we hear a song, we're like, Oh my God, it's, it's like they're in my head. They're thinking they're feeling the exact same thing I am. And so I think that's my favorite part about songwriting when a fan will tell me at a show, um, how much my song helped them with something in their life, whether it be something positive or something, you know, a hard time that they're going through. Um, so I think that's the best part about, songwriting the vulnerability do you do you prefer to you mentioned like being with taylor you're in the room with taylor and you're working with jason do you prefer do you do you like co-writing with such big artists do you what kind of do you learn from them and bring it to your own solo writing experience or yeah we're yeah. we're all always learning from each other um uh you know Cara Diaguardi, um, she's an incredible songwriter. And what she had said once, it's like songwriting is like playing a game of ping pong. Like you bounce these ideas back and forth and you, you should never feel silly about what you're going to say because it can actually spark something. You might not use that line, but it's going to yeah. spark something for the next person. And then you bounce this idea and that's the whole collaboration process. Um, and I like it because you come up with a song you never would have come up with on your own. And I also think it's very important to to write songs by yourself. And, you know, I've been doing that currently for the new project I'm working on is um, I eventually want to co-write, but I really want to like reestablish my sound because you can get heavily influenced by the other writer and their ideas. And um, that can be a good thing, but I, I want to also be able to have the foundation of like what I'm actually feeling in my ideas right now, and then have someone come in and, and help me finish them. Um, and yeah, usually like, I don't know, you play guitar, you play piano, you put up a, a track uh, or a beat. Um, and then I have just lots of voice memos and like, and my notes, I don't write in a journal. I like everything's on my phone. Um, yeah. so it's my process. Yeah. My brother, my brother's phone is 
full of like the craziest notes. So so is mine at one point. <laughs> it, it goes back to what you said. When you're in the studio, you should never be afraid of um, saying like a silly... There's no such thing as like a silly word because you're right. It does trigger someone else in a room to say like you'll laugh and then someone will go, how about this? And then you're all like, oh. So that's... If you, if you had to like sum it up in a short piece of advice for a new musician who wanted to get into songwriting, what, what should they try and do? Like the first step, just kind of take note of life or? Take note of life. Um, master your craft in, in all ways. It's not just about being a good singer or a great musician or a songwriter. You need to know the business side of it. Um, you know, it's great to have the experience of performing. Um, I mean, every part of it being interviewed like that, that's a, that's a a way that people get to know your personality and they'll either like you or not. Like there's, there's all these parts to the, this career that you need to learn about and master. And it's like that 10,000 hours, you know, spend as much time doing it as possible, ask questions, get a mentor, um, really learn and hone in on your craft in, in all the ways that surround it. That would be my best piece of advice because I had to learn as I went and I did it, but it made it a lot more challenging and it took a lot like longer for me personally. And I wished I had those tools earlier on. I was going to, I was going to ask you, so moving on from that question, if you could go back to your younger self, what would you say? And I feel I like you kind of, did, yeah, I feel like <laughs> I you hit taken, it on the head already, but go on, carry on. Yeah. I would have honestly listened to my parents and taken all the piano lessons that they suggested instead of canceling most of them and <laughs> same with guitar. And, um, I starting earlier, my, you know, they were encouraging it since I was like singing at what 11, uh, I could have started playing an instrument way earlier. I started at 19. Like I was lazy. I, I didn't listen to them. And if I had put the time in, I, I would be way more confident as a musician and performer. And I'd be able to accompany myself more. Like right now I, 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 I do, but like my band holds, you know, they hold it down. So, um, that's what I would tell my younger self is to listen to my parents <laughs> and, uh, put in the work earlier on. And you were saying about um, canceling piano lessons. I was just getting flashbacks of me not. <laughs> I I I should have canceled mine, but I would turn up, like be really like be in the car talking to my parents. I'd go in the lesson. I wouldn't have practiced or done anything the guy had asked me to do. And kind oh, of, you wouldn't. I I would have just sat at the piano and he'd asked me to thought, play something. I thought when Colby said it, she was talking about you, Sean. So. <laughs> no, well, but that's okay. So that's why I canceled because I wouldn't practice, and I'd be like, I can't. I'm not going to go into this thing, not knowing anything, but I wish that I had practiced and, and actually put in the work. So we're, we're the same. And piano wasn't cool then, but it's so beautiful. It is now. Like, it's, it's so it's, beautiful. It took me a while to figure out that it's such mm-hmm. a integral instrument. Like now when I'm in the studio, you use it to make beats. You can play yeah. cool synthesizer parts. You can literally do everything on it. Yes. I, I feel quite lucky that I still can play a tiny bit. But you know, not to the, not to the extent I wish I could play. Yeah, I feel you. Well, hey, let's start taking lessons again. <laughs> yeah, New Year's resolution. Yeah. Um. So we're in 2021. We've just had the craziest year, especially for music. Um, keeping mm-hmm. keeping with like finding inspiration for writing songs and staying creative. How have you managed to stay? inspired and productive over the last year, especially being a songwriter yourself. 
because it's obviously tough not being able to go out and experience life and maybe have every day something crazy could happen outside and you could write a song about it. We haven't, not everyone's been able to do that. So how have you handled the last year? Um, I think that, um, well, I've actually, I've learned a lot from this year and I've, I feel grateful for a lot of the things that have come about from, from this, you know, um, you know, more quality time with friends and family and getting to be still, you know, being on the road all the time. It just, it feels like you're just in a cluster at all times. And I feel really, um, at peace and really still right now. Um, and I, I had a lot that went on last year. I, you know, ended a, an engagement. I ended the the country band I was in. It, it was a lot of massive changes. And um, I was surprised that I didn't write about any of it for like six months. And I was like, what's wrong with me? Like, why am I, do I have nothing to say? Like, these are huge life changes. And then I realized this is actually a pattern of kind of what I do with writing is I, I kind of put it away and, um, allow the emotions to set in and then I write about it. So I've, you know, this past fall, I've been writing about those experiences in, in how I feel about them or how the other person might feel about them. And, um, and it's a slower, it's been a slower writing process. Um, especially cause I'm just writing by myself, but it's felt really good to like, it's like therapy, you know, songwriting yeah. is really like therapy and it's, it's at my own time. That's, that sounds yeah. awesome. I feel like it's, 2020 is as tough as a year it was. I think it did give everyone a chance to maybe reset a little and take to like take stock of everything that's going on around them. Like you said, like being a musician is such a hectic lifestyle anyway. So yeah. it is nice to maybe step back, work yes. out, take a, take a minute. And it sounds great. Exactly. It sounds like you, you've still got the creative spark. So. Yeah, it comes and goes. I think that's the thing you know, every artist always talks about this, like, Oh my gosh, did I lose it? Is it gone? And it really just comes in waves and it's okay. Like let that be. And it'll, it'll come back to you. And it will always come back at the most random time as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so before we go, could you talk to us a little bit about the performance you have for us? What the fans can look yeah. forward to? Yeah. So, um, I, you know, i I'm going to sing a bunch of my songs for you and uh, kind of tell stories of, of um, how I wrote them or what I was going through at the times that I, I wrote these songs. And it's, you know, bizarre not having played an actual real show in so long. So these are always interesting when you're performing kind of like to, you, to people, but you don't hear them, you don't see them. Um, so it's, it's a new way that we're all kind of having to get used to right now, but um, I'm so grateful to be, you know, getting to talk to you guys and to get to play my songs again. So um, thank you for having me and including in, me in this, uh, this special thing. Well, thank, thank you for being part of this. It's yes. Yeah, 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 definitely. I, I, I just want to reiterate that as well, Colby. Um, uh, the support that you've given Soundcore and, and uh, Liberty Air 2 Pro as well, we really appreciate it. And um, really, really appreciate you coming on the live stream and just walking us through the whole the whole process. And um, yeah, no, it's been great. Well, thank you. You guys have, there were great questions. And I felt really comfortable. This was really, really fun. So uh, let's do it again sometime. So that was Colby Calais. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed talking to her. Um, like I mentioned before, if you want to catch up on the performance side of it, head to community.soundcore.com and head over to the music section and Colby's profile there. She performed some of her big hits that she spoke about during the interview. So make sure you check that out. And let us know what you think. 
I mean, I really enjoyed learning more about how she overcomes stage fright. You take for granted, I guess when we see these people on stage, you assume that everything's fine, it's what they live for, but you sometimes don't understand that struggle that the artist might be having themselves. So it's a really cool insight and some great advice for people that might be in the same position. But thanks for listening. Make sure you hit the subscribe button as well and stay up to date with all our episodes. We've got some more Grammy winning artists on the way. So yeah, see you next week.